When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on the show, we discuss the Master Chief, but not in the way you would expect. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Jaden. And I'm Connor. I want to paint a picture in your mind. It is the year 2531. You are a Marine, fighting for the UNSC. And you've watched the enemy destroy your fleet in orbit. Then, unstoppable alien hordes have washed over your planet, extinguishing all resistance without mercy. You sink into the mud, and all hope seems lost. Then a shadow is cast over you. You look up, expecting it to be a deadly elite or fiendish brute. But instead, it is a man, clad in green armor and a gold visor. He offers you his hand. And while we're at it, let's consider a different scenario. You are an Ungoy, a small, cowardly, dim-witted creature whose only purpose in life is to obey orders and die in combat. Your Sanghali commander is suddenly struck down by an unstoppable foe. It looks vaguely human, but is clearly much more. This thing, this demon, what else could it be, butchers your friends and brethren by the dozen, as deadly plasma bolts strike him with no effect. He effortlessly wrings the neck of a Kigyar marksman with his metallic hands and then turns his murderous attention toward you. This is the Master Chief. <laughs> the one and only. The supreme badass of all badasses. Oh, and the demon of old made flesh. That's right. What we're getting into on this episode is the two sides of the coin that is the Master Chief. He's, he's the hero of humanity. All the UNSC you know, ground pounders and Marines, they look up to him. He's victory incarnate. But the Covenant obviously don't view him that way, do they, Jaden? He is the one thing that stands between them and the great journey. He is the scum and the scourge of everything that, that goes to defy heresy in their religion. He's as if Hades was given a gun. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the devil himself stepped into a, a metallic green power armor suit and just started cracking skulls left and right. Like every plan they have, every grand design that they, you know, they have envisioned for the galaxy, he just steps in <laughs> and screws it all up single-handedly most of the time. Uh, he has he has an impressive resume to be sure. Oh yeah. But we want to talk first about uh, the hu- we're going to take this from two angles. We're going to talk first about the human side of it and how their perspective on the Master Chief is. Then we want to dive into the alien side a little bit. So let's get started with humanity. Uh, by this time in history of the Covenant War, basically throughout the entirety of the Covenant War, uh, humanity is just getting absolutely shellacked. I think shellacked would be the best term to use. For That's a it. great word for it. Yeah. Uh, the humans they're just outclassed in almost every way, shape, or form. Their, their technology is just so inferior towards the Covenant. They're still using projectile-based weaponry, which the Covenant has, has surpassed millennia ago, thanks to the fact that they adapted the Forerunner technology to service themselves. 
That's right. And they also have a big advantage. I think possibly the biggest advantage that makes the biggest difference in the human covenant war is the energy shielding around their ships. I mean, cause absolutely that, that lets all their, their cruisers and destroyers and super carriers just soak up massive amounts of punishment and just melt entire human fleets w- without breaking a sweat. So that's the space battle. And, you know, humanity's pretty uh, badly handicapped on that front uh, right off the bat. Like they, they're hopping on one leg. They've got a hand tied behind their back. It's not good news for them. On the ground, they have a little bit more of a shot. I think most Halo sources of lore tell us that, he, that mankind puts up a bit more of a fight on the ground, you know, on, on conventional warfare. The problem is the Covenant usually don't let it get to that point. See, their their strategy for the entire war was just come to a human planet and burn it all from orbit. Use these gigantic plasma projectors to just turn the ground, turn the earth into glass, boil the seas, uh, completely evaporate the atmosphere, leave a barren molten rock in the wake of your fleet. And that doesn't exactly leave a lot of room for mankind to fight back on the ground, does it? <laughs> Absolutely not. The only way that you could be spared this fate is if while they were preparing to glass your planet, one of them went, hey, wait a minute. I think there might be some forerunner technology buried under this planet. We better not glass it completely. Right. So you, be- you better you- hope that there was something important that they wanted under your feet. You got to hope that there was a porta potty made by the forerunners buried somewhere <laughs> on your planet. Otherwise, boy, you were in for a bad time. Yep, that's your only shot. Also, kind of a wild card. We'll get to this later, of course, but the ground is also where the Spartan twos, namely Master Chief, can have the most effect. So that is another big advantage humanity had. They didn't have many of those, but they made the most of it when they had them. Absolutely. So prior to. This are kind of the end of the Covenant War. The Spartan II program was highly classified, which completely made sense because as we talked about in previous podcasts, the original aim of the Spartan II program was not to fight the aliens, but it was to fight insurrectionalists. And I put that in quotes because uh, they really didn't have that many insurrectionalists to fight. It was kind of just like a new version of authoritarian uh, soldier. So then uh, I guess the, the Oni or whoever was in charge was just like, ooh, we have a great new PR uh, trope we can use. Unkillable super soldiers that, that have never lost a mission and have never died. <laughs> That's an, There's an interesting uh, kind of, uh, yeah, like you said, PR mission to that. Uh, like you said, these are super soldiers who weren't even created to fight aliens, but now suddenly there are aliens for them to fight. What luck, you know, this, this works out perfectly. And yeah, the battles weren't going well. Uh, human colonies were getting glassed and wiped out. Um, and the Spartan program was meant to be a real shadow ops, you know, super soldier who operated entirely behind the lines. But they were, yeah, repurposed as a public figure, kind of a, a super weapon for the, the public to know about. Uh, mostly the public and the military, not necessarily civilians, but people in general to know about and be inspired by. And yeah. they, they did really strike an inspiring figure. I mean, these, these guys were huge, absolute units. They were, they were as tall as an alien elite, the Sanghali, which were, I mean, I'm going to ballpark it, maybe about nine feet on, to, on, on average, eight or nine, something like that. Yeah, between seven and nine, I'd imagine. Yeah, something like that. And, and like Jaden mentioned, superhuman, almost impossible to kill. And that's, that's a very, that's an operative term, seemingly unkillable, because as far as, you know, the, the, the private, the corporal, the sergeant, the, the, the Marine on the ground, whose ass is getting saved by a Spartan too, as far as they know, yeah, they are invincible. They, they see these, they, they see these guys getting shot by plasma rifles and 
and needlers uh, that would kill a normal man like outright. And the Spartans just wade through it and just butcher the covenant by the dozens. And they see this and they go, wow, we can win. And that is the whole point of the Office of Naval Intelligence revealing this previously super secretive program to the general public of the military. I mean, you see that. You see this unstoppable juggernaut of a man wading through dozens of covenants. You, you got to ask yourself, wow, if they're letting us know about these guys, I wonder what secrets they have hidden in their vaults somewhere. Yeah, what what aren't they telling us if they're telling us about this, you know? It's like, wow, we must be doing we must actually be doing pretty good. Exactly. I mean, sure, I lost contact with my cousin on Omega Colony like three months ago, but I'm sure everything's going great. <laughs> I'm sure the Spartans saved him and, and they're totally fine. He just doesn't have cell phone reception where he is. It's fine. Yeah, the, the, the slip space interference is just screwing. You know, you know how it is. That happens. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and another angle to this kind of PR mission, uh, you mentioned, Jaden, these as far as the grunts know. I mean, grunts, the human grunts, not alien grunts. As, as far as the Marines know, the Spartans don't die. They've never seen one die. They've never heard of one dying. And yeah. that is actually very intentional. There's a, another standing order in ONI where, because the Spartans were part of the Navy, but most, I think they were part of the Navy, but the Office of Naval Intelligence kind of had some, you know, jurisdiction over them. But they decided that if a Spartan was ever killed in battle, uh, they were never listed as KIA. They were only ever listed as missing in action. And if you've played Halo Reach, you know the iconic line, Spartans never die, George. They're just missing in action. So it's kind of like a self-awareness of like, yeah, I know what they do. I, I know the secretive nature of what we do. And I know that you know people aren't allowed to hear of Spartan casualties. I think it was Dr. Catherine Halsey, of course, the the originator of the Spartan two program who kind of did all the science and made it all happen. I think it was her idea. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Jaden, but I think it was her idea to sort of make sure that that never got out, that people didn't hear about Spartan casualties. Cause that would be a huge blow to morale. I think that's that that is as well. And which actually speaks to the nature of the Spartans in general, because even in death, you don't get a break. You're still doing a job as a Spartan because no one knows how many Spartans there are. If you're listed as missing in action, you might be dead, but more likely, you're part of a secret task force that's so secret it has to be listed that you're dead in order to carry it out. That is a great point I didn't think of. That's that's so emblematic of the program. Like, yeah, even in death, you still have a job to do. You still have a job to inspire people and make them think that the fight can be won. You are the you are the saints for this new cyber cybernetic age. You are the martyrs. Exactly. And on second thought, I think it might have been Admiral Margaret Parangoski. That's going deep. Like I'm not this humble brag, but I went deep into the lore there for that one. But I think that uh, Admiral Margaret Parangoski was actually the one who gave that order to all list Spartans as either missing in action or wounded in action. I think it was her. It was either her or Dr. Halsey. I swear I do my research. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> so after a few years into the war, I, I feel like it's safe to say that stories have spread about these semi-mythical supermen and women, but I, I think one of them has kind of put himself above all others as sort of the alpha and omega of that age of humanity, of the conflict, the, the kind of uh, primal hero of the conflict, and that is Master Chief John 117. He's the best there is at it, and he's going to save your life, he's going to save your planet, and he's going to save mankind. And that's what, that's what Oni wanted. They wanted that you know, kind of mythos to grow around Master Chief. That was 
part of the reason they went public with the program. And you even see that in Halo 2, uh, the very beginning when um, Master Chief and Sergeant Johnson are walking down the promenade and all these cameras are going off and there's people clapping and waving for him. And Chief feels, Chief seems out of place. He even says something to the effect of like he's uncomfortable being there. And, you know, that's because they're, he's, he's being, this is the new mission for him. It's to be a propaganda piece. That's right. That's, that's a great way to put it. I, I, I never saw that part of Halo 2 in that context, but that's a great point. It's like, yeah, I think we, we, we mentioned, we talked on this a little bit in the last episode too, but John and most other Spartan 2s, they, they, they're not people persons. You know what I mean? They, they don't, yeah. they're, they're not that charismatic. I mean, no knock against them. They don't need to be in their line of work, but they're not public figures. They, they don't know what to do in situations like that. And uh, Sergeant Johnson just kind of goes, it just, you know, people need to feel hopeful. You know, you, you're a, you're a symbol for them. Just smile. <laughs> wow. There's still something to smile about. And that's, that was really emblematic of, of the mood that the human race was in at the time. Yeah. They, they needed their wins and this was a pretty darn big win for them. Exactly. One other thing I wanted to get into briefly, this is kind of getting off into speculative territory because there isn't a ton of lore to back this up. But I was thinking as Master Chief got so famous and won so many battles and pulled off so many heroic feats, uh, the Marines would probably start gossiping about him. Obviously, they hated to hear about the chief. You know, he saved a, you know, saved my buddy back on, uh, you know, Beta Epsilon or whatever, and, or, you know, Pegas- Pegasi Delta. And, uh, you know, someone else will be talking like, oh, yeah, he saved me here too. But they could be talking about different Spartans because, like we said, there's more than one. There's more than a couple. There's, you know, there, there are quite a few. They could be talking about Joshua or Will or Hall or, or, or Kelly or Linda. Like they could be talking about any Spartan too, but they think they're talking about Master Chief because he's just, he's the public face. He's the symbol of the program. And, you know, it just makes me think like, were Master Chief exploits so big that he was often mistaken for other Spartan twos? We don't see this a lot in the lore, but I think that's possible, right? That is entirely possible because uh, if you take context from uh, the book uh, Halo Fall of Reach, um, it, there's a whole passage that describes the fact that uh, Spartan twos, when they're in their Mjolnir armor, they all look the same. In fact, that was a that was an intentional uh, way that they were designed; that they were all supposed to be manufactured from the same you know workshop, so they all looked the exact same, male or female, in their armor. Now, obviously, uh, Halo Reach comes around and that kind of changes up a little bit, but if we go from that context, uh, just imagine every single Spartan 2 looks pretty much the exact same. Right. So it's entirely possible for humanity to, to think that Master Chief was in a thousand different places at once. Because, you know, from their perspective, it's the same guy. That just kind of builds the mythos of him even higher, where he's, he's so badass and so effective. He can appear anywhere in the galaxy, wherever he's needed. And just, and, you know, he's, he's like a guardian angel. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here, but stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Abu. I'm a producer and host here at Lore Party. This is the time I'd normally take to talk about sponsors, so maybe I'd tell you about that particular mattress company, or I'd let you know about this delivery service that brings easy-to-cook meals right to your doorstep. But since we don't have any sponsors... I figured I would just take this time to tell you about the series that I produce here on the show. My co-host Brett and I produce episodes about The Witcher. We deep dive into the lore and the stories and the characters of both the games and the books. So if that sounds like your cup of tea, be sure to check out the Lore Party feed and look for The Witcher episodes. 
Okay, enough of me interrupting this episode. Back to what you were actually here to listen to. The, the covenant perspective on Master Chief is basically the a complete opposite, the completely other paradigm. And let's let's get into that, Jaden. Um, for, because the covenant human war was a struggle for survival for for mankind, but for the covenant, it was it was a holy crusade, right? Like there was a real religious bent to this. And so when Master Chief comes along, like I think demon is the only word they could they could use to describe him. Yeah, I mean, let's let's put this in perspective from the Covenant's point of view. Um, they're they're flying along, you know, just gathering their their resources and their holy relics, and all of a sudden they discover uh, what they consider to be a treasure trove of human of uh, of of their forerunners' relics. But they're these weird creatures that have just landed on their on what do they consider their holy site, and they've mm-hmm. built these gaudy monstrosities, these structures, and they've tilled. The holy soil and uh and destroyed or damaged their precious relics and they they just seem to be openly mocking the great journey that they're all traveling on this is just a, a straight this is just for them straight up an infestation that's right and the only reaction that makes sense to them is to burn it all like just just wipe them out these these are these are parasites they're you know leeching off of the legacy of our great lords the forerunners and they must be destroyed. And it's very easy for the leadership of the Covenant to kind of whip the rest of the races of the of the Alliance into a frenzy. Like, this is a holy battle. You know, this is the most righteous thing you'll ever do in your lives. Let's let's get this done. And so that's why I feel like most advanced races, most advanced forms of life would be reluctant to go to war. Not the Covenant. Like that's this is their mission. This is their life's purpose. Honestly, that's also how they usually that's how they recruit other races is they beat them into submission and say, hey, have you heard about the great journey? <laughs> and and that's that's essentially the human covenant war in a nutshell. And while they're prosecuting this this conflict, this holy crusade, there's there's a little hitch that kind of throws a wrench in the works, because every now and then, let's say you're a you're an elite ship commander, you're you know, you're wearing that gold armor, that badass golden or maybe even silver armor maybe you're an ultra you're an ultra elite and you're in charge of a of a covenant fleet and you you hear a rumor about hey that cruiser over there um its plasma engines just detonated and it's it's exploding inside its own shield and there's a tiny green man uh shooting his way into our ship and what do we do (laughs) (laughs) and that's you know the covenant's introduction to the master chief he just he just shows up and just wipes your ass out and you don't know how to react to it. Like, what? Do you, how do you stop a guy like this? And what else do you call a guy like that other than the demon? He's coming along and just wrecking your your holy your holy war. Like, the other thing to put in perspective, too, is um, the Covenant truly believe that even the very ships that they fly on are gifts from the Forerunners themselves. So every time a, a humanity manages to destroy even just a simple Covenant cruiser, that's heresy. You've destroyed a holy artifact of ours. Right. So just imagine that there all of a sudden one man blows up an entire super relic. Right. It's it's desecration of the highest order. It's an insult that can't be measured or quantified. It's it's the it's the most galling thing in the world to you. And especially if you're an elite, you know, the Sangli, their culture is very martial, very, you know, discipline oriented, very all it's all about honor and you know very samurai esque. 
it is very samurai-esque. It's all about martial prowess. That's a very big thing for them. And so doing their duty, uh, serving their fleet, and protecting the holy relics of the Forerunners, that's like their entire life's mission. And this one dude in crazy mechanical armor just melts it all right in front of their eyes. And like, needless to say, that gets under their skin pretty, pretty hardcore because you know, they, they've fought humans before. They've killed humans before by the, by the hundreds. They're no, they're not much of a challenge. Sure. Sure. You'll lose some troops to them on the ground. You know, they, they'll put up a fight, they'll, but they're just grunts. Who really cares about them? <laughs> you'll lose a few grunts. You'll lose some jackals. You'll maybe even lose a few elites, but they died fighting and they're fine with that. But generally the humans will put up a fight and then lose. But then this guy comes along him and his buddies, his green armored buddies. They're, they're taller than most people. So that's, that's different. Uh, shooting a plasma gun at them doesn't always work <laughs> and they they're not afraid of you at all those are all things that you're not used to as a covenant soldier like you if all those things kind of line up as factors and you're just you freak out like none of this has happened before well and the other thing you got to remember too is that um the the uh the spartans don't look like normal humans like they they're hu- humans you're expecting to fight you know you're a, you're a senior soldier you go hey you're not pink and or fleshy <laughs> right which the other thing too is that um I getting back to the technology a little bit um the flip side of that is that the covenant don't uh, see any technology not built or based on forerunner technology as heresy itself. So the master chief is a walking talking heretic literally. That's that's a great point. And um this this kind of speaks to the overarching theme of creating fear in the enemy ranks. I mean, this is something that I think really is central to the Covenant's viewpoint of Master Chief and the other Spartans is that, you know, like we've like we've discussed, his very existence is an insult. All the things he does are extreme insults. Um, but it goes beyond just being kind of a hated figure. I think an enemy like that will, without a doubt, I mean, there's no way it can't cause discord in the ranks. Uh, let's talk about the grunts first. They're these tiny little dudes, they're like four feet tall, they're scaly and kind of ape-like. They're not very bright. When they come up against the chief or any other Spartan too, I think eight times out of ten, their reaction is immediately to just turn and run. They, 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 just, they know they have no chance. If they're being led by an elite, they'll stand and fight, but they, they, they fall quickly. And so think about, put yourselves in the, in the hooves of an ungoy grunt and you, you see your entire, like your family. I'm guessing they, they, they breed pretty fast. I'm guessing like all 20 of your brothers are killed by the chief and all your whole training, you know, your whole platoon or whatever, gets wiped out. You're the one that's left. And maybe you survive that battle and you go back to high charity or your carrier or whatever. And you tell your buddies like a demon killed everyone <laughs> and that the word spreads. And I think it's only a matter of time before all the grunts are, you know, they, they kind of refuse to go into combat if they know the demon's going to be there. And then the elites have to crack down and kind of restore discipline. It's all, you know, even if they kind of re- regain the equilibrium and they get the grunts to go back into the field, they still, they, they lose an edge. I think they really lose an edge when the word spreads about the chief and the grunts know if he finds you, you're dead. There's nothing you can do about it. That's that's kind of a that's a a weapon of psychological warfare that really can't be underestimated. Absolutely not. I mean, the grunts are they're they're pretty much suppressed by their superiors, and you know the only reason they'll stand and fight is because they know that uh, running would be worse if that elite survives the battle. But there's exactly. there's that word there if <laughs> <laughs> if <laughs> yeah 
and speaking of elites, like we like we mentioned, you know, they have a very warrior culture. It's all about you know the honor of the uh, honor of combat, and so I think that's a really interesting kind of uh, perspective that one of the covenant races takes toward Master Chief and the other Spartans. Who's uh, in the games and in the books, in most lore sources, you can kind of see that the lore, that the elites have a a broad range of feelings toward the Spartans and the Chief in particular. It's it usually kind of falls somewhere between complete disdain, like it, like that demon is so disgusting and abhorrent to me. I, I I can't wait to kill him in battle. I'll prove how great I am. And there's also some measure of grudging respect there, like that demon. Man, he's he's one badass mofo. He's he's a worthy opponent. Like I, I hate to admit it, but damn, he's good. So did you see him kill Carl the other day? It was awesome. He ripped <laughs> his arms off and beat him to death with him. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty messed up, but I got to hand it to him. Yeah, that, was, just, that was creative. Literally yeah, he, handed uh, it uh, to me. He really handed it to him. Yeah, my uh, my cousin got a plasma grenade stuck to his face and he you know, vaporized. I'm like, Damn, that that demon's got a good throwing arm. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like like you kind of like like water cooler chat about like the Spartans and those, you know, the, these humans are, you know, they're they're total they're total wimps in a fight, but those demons, man. That's an, that's an interesting fight. So like I, I feel like that's an interesting way to look at it. You know, you, when you, especially when you compare it to the grunts, just reaction of abject fear. Then you look at the elites, just sort of like, I can't wait to kill you and prove how awesome I am. So like the, the thing about the covenant, so many races, so many perspectives, so many reactions to the same kind of stimuli. Um, I think we can move along to final thoughts. Uh, you know, we've covered a lot of ground today. But I think at the core of it is Master Chief is probably the one person, the one human being who probably had the most tangible and intangible effect on the human covenant war, if you really boil it down. I mean, of course, a lot of actors involved, a lot of factors and vectors colliding. But at the end of the day, the Master Chief became a mythical symbol to both his enemies and his allies. And I think even even off of the battlefield, the morale impact on both sides of the war can't be overlooked. Absolutely not. He, I said it before and I'll say it again. He became the saint of the new age. You know, he just became this symbol for them to rally behind or fear, depending on who you were looking at. He was, you know, the, he was the angel. He was angel Michael and the devil at the same time. That's right. Yeah. And that's, that's funny when you think about it, the devil and angel kind of paradigm, it it really is a matter of perspective. I mean, to, to one person, He's, you know, this uh, messianic figure who's all that is good in the world. And to, to anyone else, he's pure evil incarnate. So it's, it's all a matter of perspective. Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at more underscore party. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.